This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Marcus steps up and buries it! This will be a wonderful goal! You're listening to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello, welcome to the ESPN Footy Pod. The home and away season is completed and... What a finish to the season it was. There were some ridiculous results, some things that maybe we didn't expect, but now our top eight is set. Our first week of finals are set and there is plenty to talk about. So we absolutely can't wait to crack in. But before we do, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, and Imogen Evans. So, Imo. Round 10, it's done, doesn't it? Like, it's so weird that we've only done 10 rounds, but it's done, and now we're into finals. How are you feeling? Because it's it's such a weird, like, time, because it feels like we also just started, but it's also like I'm so exhausted. We've just done a whole season. So how are you feeling? How are you doing? Um, Yes, very weird. I think we'll probably talk about it later, but, I mean, the pies, our season's over. And, like, after the game, it was just kind of, like, what do I do now? Because even though the season is so short, it's all-encompassing when you're in it. And it's literally you wake up and you think about footy and you go to bed thinking about footy. Um, So to have that just kind of just stop and now it's like, oh, I have so much time on my hands. What am I going to do for the next six months? Um, And it's also quite a balancing act with not burning out. Like you've got so long to train and you've got to kind of make sure that you don't get sick of footy before you even get to pre-season. So, yeah, it's weird. It's also the first time we haven't played finals for a couple of years. Um, But, yeah, I think... For me personally, I'm looking forward to the break. Um, I think it was a very tough slog of a season um, for me and the team really. But, yeah, it is such a weird thing having it just finish so abruptly. I was going to say it's such an intense kind of season because it is so short and obviously because you are a player, you are feeling everything in this ridiculously cramped amount of time and then it just kind of evaporates into thin air in a weird kind of way but um we will obviously talk about the pies season and some news that's come out of the pies as well in the days that have proceeded since the season ended but we'll quickly recap the round 10 results because it was a bananas round and we started things off off rather, on Friday night with the Suns defeating Essendon. Saturday there were a lot of big games. We started with North Melbourne comprehensively beating the Bulldogs. Port Adelaide got to send off Erin Phillips in style with their win over the Giants. Geelong defeated Hawthorne. Adelaide defeated West Coast as well. And I think one of the 
maybe biggest surprises, and we'll definitely talk about it a bit more. Brisbane defeating Melbourne by a fair margin, to put it politely, was a very surprising one on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we had St Kilda defeating the Blues, Richmond absolutely putting one past the pies, and then Sydney securing their top eight spot with a win over Frio. But I reckon let's start with that Brisbane-Melbourne one because we were talking before we hit record about just everyone was obviously looking forward to this game because it's, you know, top four, they're two good teams, this is the kind of footy that we want to watch. Did you expect Brisbane to A, win, and B, win as big as they did? Um, I didn't expect Brisbane to win, but I think it was such good footy to watch. I really enjoyed watching the game, how both teams, their style of play, it was attacking, exciting. Um, And I think Brisbane just put on a clinic really. And I think it's also, it would be exciting to be a part of that team knowing that anything's possible because they have had some shock losses during the season, but they've also taken down top dogs. So that's like quite a large range, but they know and can have the confidence within the squad that when they put the pieces together, they're able to play the best football that the competition has seen this year. It's so like we were talking about the range of results beforehand, and it really is kind of ridiculous how wide their spread of results is. They're the only team in the top four that has defeated every other side in the top four, which you probably wouldn't have thought you would have expected maybe an Adelaide or a Melbourne to be the one boasting that stat, but it's the Lions and they ended up finishing fourth, but they were the one to have defeated everyone else in the top four, which blows my tiny mind. And also just, I can't believe how accurate Brisbane were in front of goal. Cause I feel like one of the criticisms of them this season has been inaccuracy. They have been one of the most wayward teams. It feels like in front of goal, but this round, this game, they were able to turn it on. They were accurate. They were clinical. They turned it on so hot in the third quarter and really just blew past Melbourne. Were there any players specifically that really impressed you in this game from either side? Um, I really liked Bree Conan. I think, I mean, a lot of people were talking about her as well. Jade Ellinger obviously had a very strong game, but I have recently been playing as a halfback um, in the last few kind of games this year. Um, and it's kind of giving me a newfound perspective of seeing the game from that angle. And I just thought she played her role really well. I thought she didn't give Melbourne a lot of looks on her direct opponent. Um, she also was able to kind of bring that attacking game, which is super impressive because, you know, the main principle of a defender, I mean, I've only been a defender for like four weeks, but is to defend first and then off your defence, you can then kind of bring that attack. Um, and I thought she really struck the balance pretty much like perfectly. Um, So she really impressed me. She was phenomenal, had a game high 12 intercept possessions, which is exactly what you want your defenders to be doing. Do you think Melbourne should be worried at all with the loss, the manner of the loss as well? Because I think the, the point I keep trying to harp on about is that I did not expect the margin to be as big as it ended up being, I expected a way closer contest. So are there any concerns for Melbourne heading into finals? I actually think the silver lining of this could be from the loss, they can also take a lot of learning. And having not been handed a lot of losses during the season, 
you know, some level of complacency can always sneak into the subconscious. So whether it was on purpose or not, this loss could probably give them the tools they need to kind of nitpick their game because they are such a good side and find what their like weaknesses are and kind of figure out what Brisbane did in order to put them on the back foot so that when they inevitably come up against them soon in the future as they go deeper into finals that they've kind of figured out how their game looks and is well-rounded coming up against teams like that. A hundred percent. And it's like, there's still so much quality in this Melbourne side. We know that they've got, you know, the joint leading goal kickers in um, Kate Hall and Eden Zanka. Why her name escaped me just then, I don't know. But like first players to kick, I think it's 20 goals in a season. So we know that they've got heaps up forward. They've got an absolutely star-studded midfield and their defence is one of the best when it's on its day. So there's still plenty to like for Melbourne. We'll talk about both theirs and Brisbane's qualifying finals a little bit later, but we'll move on to one of the other games from round 10. We'll get it out of the way. The Pies and Richmond game. Obviously not the way you guys wanted to end the season. So tell us a little bit about what happened in this game. Why were Richmond so good? And I suppose just the the season as a whole. Like we've said, it's been such a weird season, not just for you personally, but for the team as a whole. There's been so many injuries. There's been lots of weird results. So how do you kind of sum up the season as a whole? Um, I certainly don't think it was a great season by us I think you know injury plays its part but I also still think we had a relatively not a relatively we still had a really strong side that we put out into the park every week but the inconsistency in our performance was so large um and we really struggled to kind of close that gap between our worst game and our best um like if we look at our game against Melbourne round one like we held it to them we didn't play a full quarter performance we played about a half but that first half was just like super exciting for us who were like, we know that we can do it. But it's just a matter of practicing it and making it a four quarter performance. But then we look at games like St Kilda and the Suns and Richmond on the weekend. And it was just kind of like, yeah, we fell apart, but it's so like, you really struggle to kind of understand how that can happen. Cause it, yeah, it just feels like it's such a large gap between the two. Um, but the game on the weekend, sitting there, you know, with all the spectators and I'm just thinking to myself, we'll come back, we'll come back. And I think it was just the fourth quarter, start of the fourth quarter, I was like, we'll come back, it's fine. And then they just got on a roll of goals and I just thought, is this really happening? Because that wasn't supposed to happen at all. And, I mean, but, like, we didn't have a great percentage this year. And we needed it a lot to fall our right to get into finals. Um, but so we needed to win. We needed to win by at least 30 points and we needed certain teams to lose. Um, and, you know, a couple of that didn't happen. So, like, it really sucks to end our season that way um, and get such a thumping. But I guess it's a good learning, you know, and I think we can take a lot out of this year and move it, take it on to the next. Also with the departure of Steve, like the way he's been able to nurture the connection of our group is been amazing. Like I remember when I got drafted, like the camaraderie that our team has is just 
undeniable. It's great. It's a great place to be. But I think maybe it's going to be a step in the right direction, you know, have a fresh face, have a new kind of style of play. Maybe that's what we need to go deeper into finals and make finals, I guess. Um, But, yeah, and I think I look back and I wouldn't have gotten my opportunity with Collingwood if Steve wasn't the coach. So um, there's a lot to be thankful for with him and his tenure at the club. But, yeah, I guess sometimes you just grow out of the role and you need a kind of fresh perspective to brighten things up. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point that, like, it's maybe not that anything was necessarily wrong. It's just it no longer fit correctly if that makes any sort of sense and also I think the the positive thing for you guys is you're certainly not heading for a rebuild in 2024 it's really just about finding the way that these pieces work best so hopefully it's a much better season in 2024 also got when you were talking about the inconsistency and I suppose the gap in performances that's the kind of thing that you get punished for in such a short season because there's no time for you to find consistency it's basically you're either consistent and you're going to make finals or you're inconsistent and it's it's going to bite you in the bum at one point or the other so um yeah we're not going to whinge about the 10 round season anymore that's (laughs) that it's every episode I'm just like 10 rounds it's not enough but we don't need to get into that there's just so many bloody problems with it every week there's something new and it really does. It just like rears its head in new and interesting ways every week. But like I said, you all know, we all know it's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. Um, but let's quickly talk about as well, because round 10, like I said, it basically came down to the last game of the season to decide the eight. Like it was a ridiculously close end to this season and it started with you know Gold Coast needing to win over the Bombers on Friday night St Kilda they did everything that they needed to and that they could control with their win over the Blues but unfortunately that wasn't enough because of other results and percentages and things like that and then Sydney I feel like we need to talk a little bit about Sydney because it is ridiculous that they have gone from not winning a single game last season to now making the eight a year later. Like, it is absolutely bananas. Did you expect the whole season to kind of be as close as it was? I know we've spoken about it in the weeks kind of leading up to, but when it came down to it, it really came down to the very last game of the season. Is that what you expected? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No, I think it's the first time that it's happened for me. And it was just such a weird thing, like sitting down. Like I remember calling my dad and I'm like, can you do the math for me, please? Because I'm so confused. And I was just like, what needs to happen so that we can make finals? Especially after losing to the Swans, it was like seriously up to chance, really. Um, But, yeah, it's just like such a weird situation. Um you know, barracking for other teams to win. You're like, we really want you to go well. Um, 
but yeah, it was definitely a different experience. But as for the Swans, I think we'd have to look back at our preseason predictions. But I, th- I don't think I was. I honestly didn't think I, the Swans were going to get anywhere. I don't. I think I had them. I'm last or like. Anyway, I think I was totally wrong about the Swans, and what they've done this year has been super impressive. Um, and I think their game against the Suns on the Gold Coast is going to be a great match to watch, and I'm really excited. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I also had them as wooden spooners. So to use that Shaq meme, it's like, sorry, Sydney Swans, I was not familiar with your game. I owe you an apology. Like, they really turned it on this season. Um, And one of my favourite things was as well that just what they did off the field. I think they ended the season with, like, the highest average crowd. And every time you looked at a game that the Swans were hosting, it just looked like an awesome vibe. Like, I have friends in Sydney who aren't footy people but were like everyone raves about what a great day out it is and then your team's playing winning football as well it just seems like everything really clicked for the Swans um and obviously on the field their recruitment in the offseason has immediately paid dividends so it's a massive kudos to the entire kind of Swans organization and what they've been able to do to create such a remarkable turnaround because it is going to be massive, that game, like you said, against the Suns, which probably means it's now time to talk about the four finals because it's a very big week of finals that we have coming up. So we'll start from the start with the very first game, which is Adelaide-Brisbane on Saturday at 2.35pm. I think that's Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Don't quote me on it. Time zones are weird. But um, Adelaide-Brisbane... Thoughts, feelings, tips, what do you, how do you see this one going down? Personally, I am petrified of Norwood Oval, but it kind of seems like a bit of a fortress. Um, But I honestly think Brisbane can do anything. So if I'm going to tip anyone, I'm going to tip Brisbane. Um, I think that they have, you know, the kind of level of arrogance and confidence needed to kind of go into finals and you kind of have to believe in be, belief in yourself, believe in yourself, you know, it's kind of like manifesting in a way or whatever. Like you can't, um, you know, you've got to see it to, be, no, you don't have to see it to believe it. If I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but basically you kind of have to believe you can win in order to win is how I feel. Um, so all in all, summarising my stupid little rant here, I think Brisbane are going to win. I understood what you meant, if that makes you feel any better. But <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I, like, I agree with you because, like, as I keep harping on about that stat about Brisbane being the only top four side to have actually beaten everyone else in the top four, that makes me feel like why can't Brisbane win? Why can't Brisbane win at Norwood Oval? Like, what's going to stop them? The Crows? Who knows? Um, I do think, yeah, Adelaide at home, though, is a scary proposition. We also know that they rested a fair few players for their last game against West Coast, so they'll welcome back six players with the likes of, like, a Chelsea Randall and an Anne Hatchard. So, like, it's going to be a full-strength well-rested, in some cases, Adelaide side taking on this Brisbane team. Um, I expect it to be a close 
game. Like I'm not expecting either side to blow the other out of the water like we saw in round 10 with the Brisbane-Melbourne game. Um, But I think I will tip Adelaide just so it's different from what you've suggested, to be perfectly honest. But I'm really looking forward to that game because I think probably out of all of them, barring maybe Geelong-Essendon, they're the most... Um, well-matched, the most even kind of team. So I'm expecting the most kind of even contest um, from these two sides. But that's the first qualifying final. So obviously the loser will get the double chance, which is their right. They've earned it by finishing so high up the ladder. On Saturday, we will also have the first elimination final. So that will be Gold Coast Sydney, like you just mentioned. Gold Coast season has been so impressive to me I know we've just spoken about how impressive Sydney have been do you think it's going to be a situation where they maybe get overawed in their first final and sort of go a bit deer in headlights oh I didn't realize it was going to be like this or do you think they can actually put a put up a fight against the Suns um I think that they've got a lot of cool calm heads in their team the Suns um, and I feel like they've feel like they've been waiting for this kind of opportunity for a long time. So I feel confident from the outside looking in in their ability to kind of trust the process because I feel like they've kind of done that this year. Um, so I think that they don't really have anything to lose. Um, I think it's an achievement what they've done this year already. Um, So if I was the Swans, I'd certainly be nervous. We know that there's no Charlie Rowbottom. Her season has ended after ankle surgery and it wasn't an issue against the Bombers. Do you think it's going to play a role in this final? Because we know that she's just an absolutely phenomenal player. Um, I mean, it's obviously never ideal to lose one of your strongest midfielders and, you know, best clearance players. But... I think they have like such good run and carry in the midfield as it is. And they kind of displayed that last week against Essendon. Um, I think Claudia Whitfield will play a key role in that kind of thing, in that kind of sense. And um, Alison Drennan, um, even Maddie Brancano, I probably butchered her name then, but they've still got a really strong midfield. Maybe just the physicality kind of might be missing. Um, but also with the Swans missing Ali Morfitt, I think it's still kind of a relatively even contest. Like I don't think either team was going to walk in here thinking, oh, we can just run over this side. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. I'm very excited to see if Lucy Single has a role on any, like my first thought was maybe a Laura Gardner because she's been phenomenal for the Swans in the midfield and has been racking up the possessions, especially in this second half of the season. So if Lucy Single goes to her and tries to limit her influence on the game, I'm very excited to see if that's what happens. But let's move along to the second elimination final, the Prosparkus Cup. Uh, It's Geelong and Essendon down at Geelong. Um, there'll be no Kate Darby for the Cats. Her one-game ban was upheld by the Tribunal. These two played in season, Essendon won from memory. But like I said, I feel like this game should be really close and really even. Is that the way you're picturing it? 
I feel like Geelong, I don't think it's going to be a huge blowout, but I'd say Geelong could probably get a couple of goals on them um, when the scoreboard. But I just, yeah, Maddie Prisparkis is just, not Maddie, Georgie, sorry. She's just so good. Like her skills, her composure, her ability to read the game. She's an excellent footballer. Um, So it'll be super interesting to see if anyone kind of goes to shut her down because her influence is unmatched. Um, And I'll, yeah, I mean, along with everyone else, I'm excited to see what the sisters do, you know, in the midfield battle. We love the Prosparcus Cup. I'm really, like, interested with this game because, like, as you've just said, Georgie's a beast. Maddie's an absolute beast. So there's kind of – and obviously they've got excellent supporting casts with them in the midfield. So I feel like the midfield kind of evenly matched. You've got a Bonnie Tugold up one end and then, like, a Chloe Shear down the other end. So they've both got avenues to goal. It's about whether or not they kind of get the ball to them firstly and then those two players are kicking accurately secondly. Um so I'm kind of like, is it a matter of whose defence is able to kind of stand up and limit the other? Because I feel like everywhere else there's no clear winner or clear superior side, if that makes sense. So I'm very interested to see who can kind of find that pocket of ascendancy or who can find that area where they're just that little bit better than the other side because I do think this should be another close one. Um, but I do agree with you. I think, I think Geelong, I think I'm tipping Geelong. I, I remember when we played them, there was a, a, a stat that we spoke about. And I think it's, if Chloe, she's kept her like two goals or less in a game, Geelong lose. Damn. Okay, um, yeah. So something like that. So if a defender can, mitigate Chloe Shear's influence on a game mm. that has like greater great impact on the outcome of the overall score yeah so I think and with Bonnie Toogood I'm not sure what the correlating stat is but she is a very dynamic player in offense and defense so if she's up and about early she can also have um a very strong influence and I think she would be harder to stop as I feel Chloe she is kind of confidence-based um, as a player could be totally wrong but yeah I think if I mean I'm still going to tip Geelong but if Chloe Shear is kept goalless it would be very beneficial for Essendon. No Shear no party is what I'm hearing and I don't disagree with it at all but the final, 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 it's such a silly sentence, um, but the last game of this first finals week is the second qualifying final between Melbourne and North Melbourne. And we were talking a little bit off air about how you were basically saying that, like, oh, North Melbourne must feel, like, pretty hard done by that they've ended up with Melbourne in the first week of the finals just because of the way things shook out in the top four. So is that meaning – or does that – does that mean you're expecting a Melbourne win in this game? Yeah, um, definitely expecting Melbourne to win. Um, I just think they're 
overall all around the ground four quarter performance is such a hard task and yeah if I was North Melbourne I would be probably a little bit down in the dumps about having to play them for the first but it's qualifying so you do get that kind of second chance um but anything's possible but going based on past performance I would definitely say Melbourne are the team to beat uh, putting you on the spot here so you don't have to answer if you do not have an answer, but, like, what do North need to do to actually go into a game like this and, I suppose, be considered a favourite? Because, we, again, we were talking about it off air. We know they're a good team. They consistently make finals. They're now consistently kind of in that top four conversation, but it seems like that's where it ends. That's their um, their limit in a weird kind of way. So. What? How do they push past that? How do they go from being a team in the top four to a team that actually makes prelims, grand finals, wins flags? Like, how do they do that? Do you have the answer? Um, I certainly do not have the answer. But <laughs> like I said, I, I know was... it was a big question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was watching the W show this morning and Ellie Blackburn was talking about how hard Brisbane are to play against because they play such an exciting, fast brand of footy. Um, So I think it would be interesting because she was saying how hard it is to kind of analyse their game and see any type of predictability because it's just not there. Like Brisbane are a very unpredictable side and they play with a lot of offensive freedom. So I think coming up against such a well-structured side as Melbourne, maybe North could kind of have an element of surprise to their game in the attack in the way they play if that changes from what they've done this season. Because, like, obviously in your meetings and stuff, you go through your review and you're thinking, you know, this is how they play, this is what we're going to do to mitigate it. So I think the surprise attack would be the best option from my non-professional opinion. Um, but, yeah, just mirroring how hard Brisbane are to play against against such a strong side, you know, I feel like would be an interesting experiment. I like it. Throw a bit of organised chaos their way is what I'm hearing and I like it as an option. Um, I think that's us done for today. It's going to be a phenomenal final series. So obviously next week we can't wait to dissect these four games and what it means for the second week of finals. But as always, we're over on ESPN.com.au. There is plenty of good footy chat over there. There's an article from Ellie McNerney about the impact of the 2023 retiring class. And I have a bad feeling that that's only going to get bigger as we go through finals. So definitely check that one out. Um, but otherwise, don't forget to get your tips in for this round and we'll see you all next week. Don't miss another episode of the ESPN Footy Pod by subscribing wherever you stream your podcasts.